This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is good to be with you. We were just told from our producer this morning that if you missed any of our podcasts on summer reading that we just finished a, a short little series on, you can not only go back and listen to those podcasts, but he so graciously took the time to put the list of the books that we recommended in the show notes. So, I mean, this is an incredible gift because then you don't actually have to listen to us. So it's a double bonus. Um, you get the list of books without having to hear us talk about them. Yeah, I missed last week, so now that's really helpful for me. I can I don't have to listen to you guys. Yes, so I can just yes, go right see that. There and, see and that. That's good. Click that's on the good. links. If you have any feedback that you want to give to us, you can send us an email at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. So that's thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. And we will respond either on the air or via email to anything that comes to us. Today we, well, because he's here now two weeks in a row, I mean, we can't really say guest, can we? (laughs) Hi. Yes, it's Josh Bales. He's back with us. And Ryan Hempfell is back from his church meetings. And so, gentlemen, it's good to have you guys in the studio. And as always, Jonathan is here. And... I'm Russ, and so we are going to do a little, what I titled, Rapid Fire Pastoral Q&A. I have a whole page full, two pages full of questions that I'm just going to throw out to these guys, and we'll just get through as many questions as we get through in a day, and if they don't have much to say, we'll go to the next question. But they're just dealing with us as pastors, pastoral ministry, us as individuals, um, this is your opportunity to get to know those that are talking to you day after day. So the first one is, what led you to become a pastor? And then after you answer that, would you do it again? It's supposed to be rapid fire. <laughs> rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I can say I grew up in a pastor's home, but I don't think that was the primary reason. I, I did from the very beginning, uh, early in my childhood, uh, want to serve the Lord. And so... I think out of out of those desires and the confirmation from others that that was really the part of leading me into the pastoral ministry. I can say I raised five kids, three boys, none of them want to be a pastor <laughs> but so so i I don't think it's just simply the home that you were gro- growing up. I think that obviously there were factors uh, even behind myself, and we recognize that God calls people to that office. you know we don't take on the office of our for ourselves. But I would do it again. I would be serving either in a pastoral ministry or on on a mission field. Yeah, with me, I grew up actually wanting to be a medical doctor. I had a grandfather I was close to who was a medical doctor. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, but being a pastor was never something that I really wanted to be. And uh, it was in the course of trying to be a doctor and pursuing the medical field. And God kept 
slamming uh, doors shut that I finally got the hint. And uh, it was my mom, actually. I'm talking with her in one frustrating night and kind of unloading my burdens on her. She asked if I had considered the pastoral ministry. And uh, after I got off the phone, I uh, just said a quick prayer. It's like, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do. I'll do it. And I opened my eyes. I was doing my devotions, and I was reading Matthew 20. And uh, when I opened my eyes, the first thing I saw was the title, the uninspired title of that passage. It was The Labors in the Vineyard. And then got to 20, verse 6. It's the parable of the landowner going out at different times of the day. And in verse 6, the landowner says, At the eleventh hour, what have you been doing standing around all day long? And that really hit me upside the head. So I began meeting with my pastor and my elders, and here I am. And would I do it again? Uh, yes, despite all the, you know, the difficult things and hardships of being a pastor, I resonate with Paul. Like, what was me mm-hmm. if I do not preach? You know, it. So yeah. So R.C. Sproul has that magazine Table Talk, and I was reading an article that uh, he had written. I don't even remember what the article was, but it just got planted in my heart that. And I think God's maybe calling to me to be a pastor. I remember also a conversation that I had with my dad on the freeway. I remember exactly where I was on the freeway. We were talking scripture together. And he said, son, I think that God is calling you to be a teacher. And then there's been other confirmations from others. Matt Marino being one of them, Mm -hmm. the, the pastor that planted the well. Would I do it again? Yes, but with fear and trepidation. (laughs) (laughs) Way more than I had at the beginning. Yep. I, I actually saw myself always as a teacher. So even from my youngest age, I wanted to be a, a high school teacher. I had two parents that were teachers, grandparents that were teachers, uncles and aunts that were teachers. Most of my siblings are teachers. It just was something that we did um, primarily because it, it's an area of giftedness for our family. And so I had a strong desire to be in the classroom and be with young people. And so that's what I did. I did that for 15 years and I was completely um, happy in in the role that I I had there. And then in the churches, various churches that I was in, I was able to just do teaching roles within the church. So I would teach Mm -hmm. youth group or high school, Sunday school or catechism or adult classes. And I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then out of the blue, I got asked to fill in a pulpit and um, did it reluctantly, did it with a lot of asterisks saying, what are you doing? I don't think you know what you're doing. Why are you asking me to do this? And that started probably mm-hmm. four years of filling in in pulpits around the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, just a lot of people saying, I think this is what you actually should be doing. We love you as a, as a teacher of our kids in the school, but we actually think you're you're mm-hmm. better suited for this. And after a lot of, you you really have to, it's the dying of one dream mm-hmm. and a dying of what you kind of feel like you were created for. And, and then that has to stop and you have to go a different direction. And I would do yeah. it all over again. I, yeah, you I, know, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you can do anything else, you should do that. And because there should be a constraint, you yep. know, as Ryan said, well, it's me if I don't preach the gospel. Uh, that you know that scriptural passage, that uh, that sense of constraint, I think w- I felt from an 
early age. I was, uh, you know, I mentioned that I probably would have been a missionary if I hadn't been a pastor. In our home, we had these two notebooks. They were three ring binders. They had the pictures of missionaries, the places that they were Hmm. serving, and they were used for, for praying for them. In the denomination we were part of, and and I would go look through those, and I would and I would count how many missionaries were in particular areas, and I can remember there were only nine missionaries in in Argentina, and I said I'm going to be the tenth missionary to go to Argentina. <laughs> you know, um, there were romantic reasons for me wanting to go to different places in the world, but uh, it, but the driving none force more was, romantic than Idaho. Yeah, right. the driving force <laughs> the driving force was to serve him. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you both mentioned that because the, the idea of trepidation entering into it or looking back and would you do it again with trepidation, but also, you know, what Martin Lord Martin Lloyd Jones said. I had several men that told me that as well. Yeah. You know, if you could do anything else and serve God, then do it. And being as uh, you know, the three three of us here are, are in presbyteries, and and Josh, I know your your church is independent, but you do examinations and throat examinations of men. Like when we have men under care or examining them, it's a red flag for me if some if a young guy comes in just really, really overexcited to be a pastor, or even in a church context, if there's a man who's really excited to be an elder. Uh, to me, it's a red flag because I, I think, have you really weighed the costs? Have you mm-hmm. really considered what God is calling you to? And uh, there should be a trepidation, not that you're everybody's to come in kicking and screaming. Uh, there is to be a willingness and a desire to serve God, but there should be mixed with that a hesitancy or a trepidation. Well, I think of that's. What you're I calling. think that's the essence of the the Martin Lloyd Jones quote. Mm-hmm. I think I misunderstood that for when I, when I first heard it, but the idea is that I don't think you can resist the call if God is really calling you to do that. Right. Yeah, you can. Um, I'm not trying to over romanticize the calling, mm-hmm. but if you look at the scripture and what do you see in the pattern, you see men who are called by God. They tried to resist God, mm-hmm. Moses, Elijah, um, Jonah. Mm-hmm. Jonah, and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that that same mm-hmm. principle applies. Right. Today. And, and uh, Lloyd-Jones had a, a career as a, as a doctor. I mean, he was a physician. He was, uh, he, was a, a, he was a famous. He, was a, he worked, yeah, he was like the, he was physician to royalty, yeah. uh, basically. And, and so when he gave up that position, it was, it was out, of a, uh, out of that constraint. He felt like that was the call that was on his life. And when mm-hmm. we talk about a call, we're talking about the difference between an occupation and a vocation. Vocation is a calling. Occupation is something I do. And there are times when I've been out of ministry where I've been filling an occupation and not a vocation. And, you know, my, my wife will comment, you know, you're grinding your teeth at night. You're doing this. You know, why are you so frustrated in this job that's nothing? <laughs> go, because I'm, I'm not made for that job. Yeah, <laughs> that was not what God called me to do. We've kind of trickled into the second question, so just fleshing that out further if you want to. What advice, encouragement would you give to those that are thinking about pursuing ministry? Any warnings that you would give, questions that you would want to ask? I would would say, you know, and following what you had already shared, I would say get involved in your church, serve wherever you can. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, volunteer to teach in a Sunday school, uh, volunteer to go out to the uh, rescue uh, mission or the care facility and serve in those capacities. Let people see your service, uh, you know, because the the call comes from three different directions. One, it's coming obviously from God Himself. You have you experience an inward, uh, subjective nature of that call, but you also have to. Uh, uh, have the approbation of the people. And I think that a lot of times people have that subjective thought of a being that, mm-hmm. but they don't have the approbation from outside of, of that from from a congregation. And I think that's one of the things that is important for you to receive. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would add to that just uh, meeting regularly with your pastor, you know, just um, having him as a mentor, working with him and his experiences. Warnings, you know, there is a, a Christian friend of mine and I, when I finally, you know, submitted to what God was calling me to and told him I was going to pursue the pastoral ministry. And he just very lovingly and sincerely told me that I had now a giant X on my back and uh, we need to go into the pastoral ministry. One, not naive and not romanticizing it, but also realizing we are volunteering to step into the front lines of the war. Mm-hmm. And um, the greatest way, the easiest way for Satan to bring shame to Christ's name is to attack the shepherds and to bring them down. So that's just something that needs to be, you need to be made aware of. And uh, old temptations may come to surface that you thought were done away with. Um, others may intensify, but also remember that Christ is the one who shepherds you and gives you the grace to fulfill the calling that he calls you to. And I think just circling back to what Jonathan was saying, I I think it's so important, and this is what Ryan was getting at as well, you should have your call affirmed by other people encouraged. You shouldn't be putting yourself forward. Mm -hmm. And so if there are other people that – if other people aren't coming alongside and saying, I see this in you and I I would encourage you to pursue this, and then I, I do think that is a red flag. That you should maybe step back and say, okay, is this just just me? Or is this actually God that's moving and directing and leading me towards this? Well, we're going to pick this up tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we will see you then.